How are you? It's Leon Diop here. Hi, I'm Amanda Addy. I'm Femi Bancoli. My name is Bonnie O'Dembanet. This is the Black and Irish Podcast. This podcast is, is about us getting into the nitty gritty of what it's like growing up as a black and Irish person, growing up with, with a different skin tone in Ireland. Telling the stories, sharing experiences, highlighting racism, pretty much just playing a part in like trying to integrate the black Irish community into the wider Irish society. A weekly chat where we talk about all things race. It's just, you know, bringing someone fascinating on, get them to share the story in their own words, whether it's positive, whether it's negative. A lot of these stories were either experienced by us or they stayed within the community. So we wanted to create a platform where these stories can be shared. This is the Black and Irish Podcast. I'm Leon Diop. Today on the podcast, we have the incredible Jade Jordan. Jade is a mixed race woman who grew up in Blanchestown. She's an incredibly talented actor with some high profile performances on her resume. And she has a very deep story to tell us today. She's going to give us an insight into her life and her family's life on this week's episode of the Black and Irish podcast. My granny is Irish and granddad is Jamaican. But growing up in in Blanchestown, I, I suppose my family was, how do I say, they were they were quite well known. Um, they were probably one of the only brown families in Blanchestown. You've got to remember Blanchestown years ago was like the countryside. Yeah. So they lived in Sean McDermott Street originally, which was obviously smack bang in the inner city. And that was, yeah, that was like the countryside. I remember my nanny and my mom and my two uncles telling me moving out to Blanchestown or Blanche as I call it, it was like the countryside, which is gas because it's not now. I mean, we've so much out there. Growing up for me, everybody kind of knew my family and, you know, I wasn't really treated very different or I wasn't segregated from anybody else. I mean, I had my point where I did have racial abuse and, you know, I did feel a little bit like an outsider. Yeah. That was kids and that was grown up. You know, I was very lucky. I was always well able to stand up for myself. If somebody kind of said something to me, my mom always brought me up, I presume because of the life she had, you know, to, you know, stand up for yourself and you are who you are and you're an individual and don't let anybody put you down. So if anybody ever kind of said anything to me, I was always well able to tell the person that said those things or whatever to me, you know, it's incorrect. Everybody has a really different experience growing up. This is a weird way to probably say this, but I feel really lucky that I had such an easy upbringing compared to my mom. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the reason I started openly speaking about being black and brown and Irish, you know, throughout my life. It probably sounds really contradictory because I said I'm, I'm quite lucky, but I mean, I still had it. Yeah, of course. But I've had it spread over my, I'd say, my whole life. You've been called that N-word. You've been told to go back to where you come from. You've been told you look dirty. You've people touching your hair. You know, there are things that happens and people just can't fathom that. Like when you tell somebody that somebody would come up to you and just touch your hair, they're like, what? No, they wouldn't. You're like, but that's the thing. People did come up and touch my hair. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely despise like, when people touch my hair. Like it was such an, an annoyance like such a nuisance but yeah and that that, that would have happened to you a, a few times yeah yeah absolutely people touching my hair I had really long black curly hair down to my bum it was beautiful mm. but I mean if I seen somebody with beautiful hair a nice what pixie haircut or a bob I'm never gonna run up and touch the hair or pet uh, them 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a pet. It, it it's so important that you have that piece to your character, being able to stand up for yourself. Because when you let people get away with treating you bad or talking to you like that just because of your skin color, they kind of feel invincible and they feel like they can do it at any time. Where I think Thanks. it's important that you, you stand up for yourself or you, you like even let someone know who can stand up for you and like speak to a parent or speak to a teacher or something like that. Or yeah, like any responsible adult and let them know that this is happening. I don't want to stand for it. So can you do something about it? You know, yeah. whereas I feel like a lot of people, they kind of, when it happens to them, they box it up and they say, all right, well, like, look, I just have to deal with this. Absolutely. But you know what is lovely about what you guys have done with Black and Irish? People are finally talking out. I've made friends through Black and Irish your page I'm talking about my story yeah. everybody's coming out and talking about things and you're not embarrassed anymore like years ago I was born in 1988 with the book I'm writing at the moment the publisher I'm dealing with she was like but you weren't you know I was like but I was different in ni- 1988 in Dublin I was and that's that's mad probably to somebody listening to this you didn't see many black or brown people and that's 88, that's only 32 years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. I felt so alone, you know? Yeah. And I felt, I didn't really see very many people that looked like me in school. Yeah. I did struggle, like, and one mm. thing that sticks with me, and I don't think it'll ever leave me, was somebody referring to my skin as dirty. We were kids, something was said, yeah. and he referred to me as looking dirty, my skin was dirty. I remember, this was down in Betty's home, we used to have a mobile home down in Betty's town, and I remember going, and it will stick with me, I can still see it, I know exactly what I was wearing. I got into the mobile home, and I got into the shower, and I scrubbed my skin, hmm. till I was red, I was roaring red. And it's it's mad to think, I was actually trying to wash my colour off me, you know, and I remember coming out and crying, I was a kid, I remember coming out and crying and saying to my nanny, I just, I just want to be white. I just want to be like everybody else. I don't want anyone looking at me and seeing me any, any different, you know? That will stick with me for years. Now, I look back, and he was a kid, and, you know, you say these things. God love him if I saw him as an adult now. He'd, he'd probably be, I'm sure he'd be horrified. We're yeah. not still in contact or whatever, but he'd be horrified. People go out, go in sunbed to try and yeah. get mine in your colour. Exactly. They spend thousands got, of euro a year. You know, and then you've got bottles of Fonz Tan. And now I now look at myself and go, do you know what? You're absolutely gorgeous. Your skin colour is beautiful. People would die to have your skin colour. As a kid, mum always had me in dancing, singing and drama and in stage school and stuff. And that really helped me. With the stage school I went to was was great. We did shows. Um, you do fashion shows. You do commercials. I've always been quite a confident person. But I think only really in my 20s and 30s have I come to really love who I am. Mm. You know, like I, I couldn't really give you a turning point of when that switch was that I began to love myself. But I don't know if it's something that comes with age. You know, it's it's one of those things. Does that come with age? Maybe. 
yeah um, definitely I know for myself then yeah that, like you that, just... that piece would have been my early 20s you know where I actually started saying to myself well, hold on a second I don't need to be feeling down about the color of my skin like I, I yeah, can't you're change gorgeous. it there's nothing I can you know. do about it so I need to build that sense of confidence in, in, in myself you know but I think that seems to be a bit of a common theme amongst people with mixed races in them like they, they do seem to have those moments where they're like where do I fit in and then they tend to find that sense of stability with themselves as they as they mature you know so it's very confusing like it, it was very confusing growing up you know mm. I look back now like you know the term half cast yeah I used to refer to myself as that me too at a point in Not, my life yeah right and now I'm like Jesus but I just didn't know what I was is that right is that wrong I genuinely didn't know calling yourself half a cast if, if I was to say that about myself now I'm getting a lump in my throat when you grow up and you know now you wouldn't do that mm, you know I call myself that for years I am half cast yeah <laughs> it's 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 laughable now because I, I'm 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 a grown-up and I look back and go hell I was actually calling myself half of something you're not half of nothing I always knew I was mixed race and I always knew I was brown but when I came when I went to London and went to drama school you come to the end of drama school and you do a showcase and you're going to try and get an agent and all of this, right? And it came to do my CV, my acting CV. And I ticked white Irish. Did my CV, it, it was what it was. And my dance teacher came over to me and she was like, Jade, why have you just ticked white Irish? I was like, well, that's, that's, it sounds so funny because I knew I was brown. Yeah. But I was like, but that's what I am. I'm white Irish. I didn't have brown Irish. Over here, we never had those boxes to tick, if you remember growing up. And then I thought about it, and I put on my CV, white Irish. And there's me, a headshot of me, looking brown on my big curly hair. <laughs> and white Irish. Yeah. Bonkers. Made no sense. That's it. But well, I that... just didn't know what else to do, because my whole life I just ticked white Irish on a box or a form. Yeah, I, I remember it like... I'm different skill forms and stuff like that that yeah. you needed to sign. Like th that option for your own identity wasn't there. So you're kind of stuck between, mm, well, I'm not black, like fully black. This is it. But you but were never going to be that other, black. Leon. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to be another? What's what's other? <laughs> what is, you know, yeah, you know, wanted yeah. that, the right box to tick. You know, and I think back 100%. now, it's it's mad. That maybe was a turning point for me. She was like, Jade, you're mixed race. You're brown and you're Irish. And... If, if you're bracketing yourself as an actor anyway, if you're putting down white, which is incorrect, you're not. But put down mixed race and Mediterranean and it opens up a whole different ball game for you, acting-wise. Yeah. Hispanic. You know what I mean? There's so many different things that you can actually play. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. You're probably sitting there going, that's mad. But <laughs> Absolutely, that's yeah. just what I did. And that made absolute sense in my head that yeah. I take that white, that, that white box. also would have seen a lot of success in your acting career and it's it's an absolute testament to you because I know it was probably very difficult growing up as a mixed race person and you know most of the roles being for for white people but you you yeah. still made an incredible 
career for yourself. So tell us a little bit about that, I suppose, how you you got into acting and, and where it's it's taken you. I started just being in stage school when I was a kid. I finished school. I decided to move to London. Purely the reason to move to London, you know, we had we had the gaiety here at the time, but we didn't mm. have Bow Street and we didn't have a lot of the courses that we have now. You're talking 2009 when I moved to London. Yeah. I kind of moved there because they're multicultural, they're diverse when it comes to screen or stage. You wouldn't have seen that here as, as well, much? No, the only brown person I remember seeing on our telly was Samantha Mumbe. Root Negga, but she came later. I mean, I was already gone. We didn't have somebody who looked like me on our telly. In Fair City, we didn't have somebody who looked like me. Coronation Street, we did. EastEnders, we did. American films, English films, we did, you know? That was purely the reason I moved, you know? I thought I would do better and fit in more in the acting world in the UK. It, it's gas, really, because work work actually brought me back here. And now I just couldn't... I, I'm feeling really, really blessed. We are now multicultural. And we do have a lot of diversity in Dublin. And I'm so excited that I'm a part of that. I stood on stage last year in the Abbey with my friend Daryl McCormick, who's also mixed race. Yeah. Representing the New Ireland. That's deadly. We were a little bit late to the game. It is what it is, you know. It's important that you're, you're doing it. Like, I know people can feel like a, a little bit. Yeah. They, they might be late to the game or, or whatever. But you're there now and you're, that, that piece around representation is, is huge. And, you know, Absolutely. like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this has probably been said on, on each episode of the podcast, but you can't be what you can't see. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you need to... Thank you. you know, in order for you to go on and, and, and do something incredible, it's important that you see people use their work to propel you as well or inspire you. Um, yeah. Because, like, while you can do it on your own, it's difficult. It's more, it's, it's tougher to do it on your own. And for, you know, a lot of, of white people, it's, they have a lot of role models that they can look up to in film and media that they can say, oh, yeah, I want to represent that. I want to yeah. replicate that person's work, so, like, especially in Ireland, like. But now that you're occupying those spaces, you know, you're able to be that inspiration for, for others. A little girl around, sitting at home know? or a little boy sitting at home that looks yeah. like me. Yeah. And says, you know what, actually, I can do what she does. 100%. What would be your advice to a young black or mixed race person in Ireland today who's like considering getting into media or getting into acting and is just a little bit unsure? What would your, your words to them be? Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. If you love something, work really hard at it. The acting gig is it's like anything, but it's a it's hard, hard work because mm. you're not always lucky enough to be working. You know, there's a lot yeah. of downtime. I hate to call it downtime because in my downtime, I graft, I do yeah. workshops, I write. For me, there's never ever downtime. A lot of people call it downtime, and every, each their own, you know. Sure. Um, you can do what you want. The world is your oyster. And I've Brilliant. always been so, so lucky that my mom told me I could do what I want. And yet again, I've always said I'm so lucky as a person. I get to do my dream. I'm actually doing it full time, which I've never been able to say, which is so amazing. Yeah. But I mean, I, I've other skills too. It's important to have a number of skills. I'm able to work in retail. I'm able to waitress. I'm able to work in a bar. Do you know what I mean? I'm very lucky that I have skills that let me do all of those things. That if it Absolutely. didn't work, thankfully it did. But I mean, if it didn't, I was able. I I was able to do other things. Well, acting. I'm a big kid. I get to play every day. I get to express. It's a form of escapism. I literally get to play Leon every every job acting job I go into. I play. 
what? What's not to love about that? <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know not. what I mean? It sounds incredible. I'd love to speak about your family's experience. You, you, yeah. you touched on your, your nanny being from, from Ireland. I believe she was from Marino, if that's correct. She was, yeah. Um, and while she was over in, in London in the 50s, she, she met your grandfather, who's Jamaican. So tell us a little bit about that and, and how that ended up progressing yeah. over the years. She moved in the early 50s. She became a nurse. Um, she moved from Dublin to London. And she became a nurse and she fell in love with my, my granddad, who unfortunately I never met because he was passed before he was born. Right. Um, but a Jamaican black man, years ago, you didn't do that. That didn't happen. Anyway, cut a long story short, they got married and she had the three kids. My nanny always says there was a calling for her. She, she doesn't know. There was a calling for her to come home. She just woke up one day and she was like, I, I'm, I need to go back to Dublin. With that, she did. She did the, the turnaround pretty quick and moved back with the three kids. She basically was just an outsider from her family's point of view. My nanny broke a rule, you know? My nanny broke a rule. She married a black man and she had three kids of colour. Her family didn't like that. She had nowhere to go. So I think for the first first while she checked into a B&B and... Then she got a place in Sean McDermott Street um, off the council in a tenement house. Like she had no furniture. The living conditions were horrific. But mm. I mean, her family, my point is her family were up the road. Yeah. And could have helped this situation. You know, and had room in the family home. But she couldn't go and ask for help because she was excluded because she had kids of colour. Like, it's absolute madness. I just can't get over it. Like, I think I said to you before as well, she was told not to bring her kids to her own mother's funeral. Like, oh my God. If she went to her mother's house to have a visit or whatever, I think when the mother was sick or whatever, my uncles, my two uncles and my mum remember this. They were made sit outside on a wall while she went in to whatever she was doing in the house. They were made sit on a wall when my nanny went in and had, I don't know, a conversation with her mother or brothers and mm. sisters. Made sit on a wall like... They're, they're babies. Like they, they don't know any different. Like they're, they're just... They're babies. Yeah. Me ma was about 14. They're babies. Imagine mm. being left outside a house because of how you look. Your skin colour should never, ever matter. Ever. It did and it still yeah. does. It's toss. Yeah, definitely. You know, we all enter the world as babies. We don't know what the hell is going on, you know? You, you're not going to, as a baby, you don't look at a black person in a white, but you just see people. It's, it's, it's tough. 110% it's tough. And that, that is something huge. And like, I do, I follow a lot of um, Jane Elliott. I don't know if you follow any of her work, but Jane Elliott is, a, is an incredible educator who talks about hatred and racism being something that is instilled in you through different experiences and through watching people that you look up to or your parents or elder siblings engage in mm -hmm. racist or discriminatory behavior and you learn you acquiring that as a learned behavior but she also talks about how if you can learn something you can unlearn something if you can learn how to hate you can unlearn to hate and you can learn how to to love yeah. and said and, and be more accepting and, and more inclusive so 
that's definitely, I think, a piece of work that, while I don't think Ireland is this, like, volatile place, like, scenes that we're seeing in America right now, yeah. there's definitely people who I think can learn how to love rather than hate. I started recording my nanny. While I'm lucky enough to still have her, putting her on camera and just asking her questions about her past and bringing the kids up and schooling for them and marrying a black man or what, you know, I just wanted to pick her brains because I find it really interesting and it was always something I wanted to push was write for screen or whatever. Yeah. And I was already writing anyway at the time, you know, we were in the first uh, lockdown and I took my hands to the laptop and just started writing. So I was already going on a roller coaster anyway. And then this all happened with George Floyd and I just, my heart hurt so so bad I need to you know regardless of what's going on worldwide but I I was like I have a story and nobody knows how hard it is for black or brown Irish people let's actually talk about that and it was was those videos I had a chat with I ended up ringing my mom and I was distraught and I rang her and I was like mom would you be willing to sit down and have a chat with me can I ask you questions and will you be honest about how it was growing up? And she was like, absolutely. She says to me, I don't want to be on camera, but we'll do an audio. So I was like, right, cool. Let's do that. And I just did those little clips on my Instagram page and just asked her a few questions. And the response from them alone was just like, and I didn't, Jesus, I didn't do it for a response. And oh mm. God, that was terrible. And I did it to let people know. Nobody actually knew what they had gone through or what black and brown people go through still to this day, never mind the 1970s or 80s. And people really appreciated somebody being open with them yeah. and saying, actually, do you know what? This is pure raw. This is really raw what I'm talking about here. But I'm going to actually share it with you and educate you so that that is not, you know, that this does happen. 100%. And it's not just happening in America or in London. It happens here and daily for some people. Want to say a massive thanks to Jay Jordan for coming on and speaking to us and telling us about her family and, and her own story. Hopefully, we can all learn to be a bit more empathetic to one another and to just understand that sometimes different people are going to love other people, and that's out of your control. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast at rte.ie forward slash podcast. That's our lot for this week. Take it easy. <laughs>